Blog Talk Radio. I'm back. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. Internet connection, status radio back, one night only, NFL 2014 draft special. I'm John Corey. Welcome to the show. It is great to be back at the helm of the one and only status radio, the original, the originator of everything Corey Digital. A lot to get into tonight. First of all, sorry for the delay. We had some technical problems on this end. They are now resolved. So I'll be with you at least the next 60 minutes, and we'll kind of play it by ear after that. Coming up in a couple minutes here, Dave Choate, thefalcoholic.com. We'll break down the Falcons draft, as you know I like to do. I have them on from time to time. Talk about my favorite football team, the Atlanta Falcons, and then we'll get into the meat of what has been a fun 27 hours or so, and a lot has happened in the National Football League. For those of you wondering if I'm going to talk Mets or Rangers tonight, I sure am. I'll get to that around 11 o'clock, and we'll go from there. But I will also take your phone calls, 347-850-8572, 347-850-8572. If you want to interact with me on Twitter, it's at John underscore Corey, at John underscore Corey. If you want to connect on Twitter, again, Dave Cho, a matter of minutes. here on Status Radio as we get things back going. You know, it's a little different doing this show instead of the 209 podcast or the morning throwdown. This show is free form. This show is what I like to do. This this was my favorite. And it's good to be back. But let's get to some news real quick. As we get ready to go to some news, The New York Giants are making their pick in the third round, pick number 74. So we'll keep it right here. Troy Vincent announces the the Giants pick for all you fans in the Tri-State area. And the Giants select Jay Bromley from Syracuse, defensive tackle. Giants add to the defensive line depth, 6'3", 306, 498-40 for Jay Bromley out of Syracuse. So he stays fairly local. 
he'll make the two-and-a-half-hour trip or so down to MetLife Stadium, down to the Giants headquarters. And Jay Bromley will be the newest member of the New York football Giants moving into the 2014 season. Again, it's been a hectic 27 hours in the National Football League, and it started right out of the gate. As he likes to be known now, J.D., drafted by the Texans, and everything kind of took shape from there. We, we went to pick number three, where the room thought that the Jacksonville Jaguars were going to take Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel, sitting there front and center. Got his little table at Radio City Music Hall. He was getting ready to, to pack up and go, head down to Florida. And then the Jacksonville Jaguars threw a curveball, drafting Blake Bortles, and it was all craziness from there. But we'll get to all the latest and greatest going around the NFL shortly. But I do want to bring in right now, he has the website, thefalcoholic.com. He is a friend of the program. And he's going to come on and break down the Atlanta Falcons' first three picks of the 2014 NFL Draft. As I bring him up on the line, I'd like to welcome back at the Falcoholic on Twitter. It is Dave Choate. Dave, welcome back to Status Radio. How the hell are you? Doing great. Backward before we start with the first one. The Falcons just picked a few minutes ago. Desmond Southerd. Safety out of Wisconsin, um, decent size. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Mr. Mr. Uh, Southward? Well, this is sort of an interesting pick. This is, um, you know, I think we all expect by now that classic third-round pick from Thomas Dimitrov that nobody sees coming. Um, I think that the Falcons were definitely in play for a safety, but Southward's a surprise. Um, you know, to be honest with you, this is a guy that I didn't spend a, a considerable amount of time on. Um, but what jumps off the tape, to me anyways, is, you know, this is a big athletic guy who hits hard and has very good instincts. Um, that's the plus side. The downside is you watch him play and you also see a guy who isn't really a finished product of safety. Um, this is somebody who, you know, he doesn't always take the best angles, and I know that scares the hell out of Falcons fans. And he doesn't change direction very fluidly. And you combine those two things in the pros, and you're going to get a guy who gets toasted at least on occasion. So I think for him, the key is going to be taking a year, playing some special teams with that athletic ability he's got. And if everybody's lucky, then we've all got our fingers crossed. Uh, he's a starter in 2015. But I, I do think it's kind of a high upside gamble. These guys don't always pan out. Yeah, I agree, and, and I admittedly don't know much about him. I just know what I, I read online. And he can play corner or safety. I don't think he'll play corner for the Falcons. I think if they're drafting him, they have a need at safety. They're bringing him in as a safety. Uh, I like his size. I like his durability. Played in every game in college, every game in the Big Ten Conference for a tough, physical Wisconsin club. I like the durability aspect of him. I think he'll be a good guy to have on special teams for sure. Now, how much playing time will he get in the secondary? I think that's up to him. 
you know, the good thing about the Falcons' defense right now, and we'll get to the second pick in a minute, but there's a lot of open spots there, and we could talk about the veterans they picked up all we want. The fact is, there is a lot of room for advancement on the Atlanta Falcons' defense, and Southward can fit right in there. It's really all about how quick he picks up the system and how many mistakes he doesn't make. I'd absolutely agree with that, and I think, uh, sorry for the delay there, um, you know, the, the key with Southward, again, is, you know, can you seize that opportunity? Because you're not competing against, you know, uh, great players here. You're competing against Dwight Lowry, who's a solid starting safety when he's healthy, um, but he's not healthy that often. And you've got a couple of seventh-round picks in uh, Zeke Mata and Kamal Ishmael. And, you know, so there's a lot of there's a lot of unproven and, and questionable players in his way. So I think you know, the Falcons have hopefully put themselves in a good position if Lowry is healthy, where they have that stopgap guy, um, the Southward just can't beat him out. And they have a starter for a year uh, at a very reasonable price. And if that's not the case, then you're looking at, a, a, you know, a year for him to kind of redshirt it, just set play some special teams, and he'll get his crack at his opportunity the next year when there's literally no one in his way. So I think, you know, it's the kind of pick that could pan out immediately, but I really do think he's going to have a hard time just outright winning a starting job uh, in 2014. What gives me confidence is I do believe in the coaching staff's ability to coach up the defense. They have a very good defensive coaching staff, and even though the schemes at times and, and the play selection and even the talent on the field, has not given Falcon fans the confidence in the defense. I think you've seen with the young players the last couple of years, they've really taken to the system, and they've really taken to getting coached up. And you bring up Mata, he's a good example. You know, he saw some decent playing time last year. And, you know, you talk about Warlow, you know, nobody would have expected him to be such a prominent part of the Falcons' defense this time last year. So you have to have confidence in the Falcons' coaching staff to coach him up. And speaking of coaching him up, you know, we'll get to the second pick of the Falcons' draft, Rashid Hagman. Uh, defensive tackle trends more toward the defensive end in the 3-4. out of Minnesota. Uh, we kind of went back and forth on Twitter about this a little bit earlier. But um, I, I kind of know your thoughts. But for the people out there, let, let them hear your thoughts about the second pick, Hagman. Yeah, you know this. This is a pick I love. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to uh, downplay it in any way. I thought he was arguably the best player left on the board, or potentially the best player left on the board. And for the Falcons to get him, I was pretty thrilled with it. Um, you know, we talk all the time as Falcons fans about this team. You know, doesn't they're, they're a bunch of choir boys. They don't take chances. They, they don't go for upside. They're too needs-based, all these things. And then somebody like Hegeman gets taken, and all of a sudden all of that goes out the window because, oh, my God, he's you know a defensive lineman. We didn't really need that, et cetera. But, you know, this is a player who, you know, there are questions about his motor. There are questions about his motivation at times. And those are things that, you know, can and should scare any fan because it's a tough thing. You know, you, you want to know these guys are going to live up to their potential even though we don't know with any of them. But I do think that this is somebody who, if he's willing to put in the work, if he's got the support system around him, he's got a good coach like Brian Cox who's going to stay on him and say, you know, you got to work hard every day 
to be a great player in the pros. I do think that the talent and the upside here is tremendous. This is just this is a very good athlete. This is a guy with a nose for the quarterback. And you can put him inside in a 4-3, your nickel sets, et cetera. Um, and in a 3-4, you kick him out to end. And either way, I just see him as a disruptive type of presence. I, the guy he reminds me of, although he could be a lot better than him, is Rod Coleman. And uh, you guys probably remember, you know, for a few years there in Atlanta, Rod Coleman was a beast. He was the guy that in the middle of the line just could not be stopped. And he had a giant next to him, and that helped him out. Well, the Falcons are trying to repeat that a little bit here with this pick. You know, it's not Grady Jackson and Rod Coleman, but it's Paul Solier and Rasheed Hageman. And I think that if everything breaks right, this is the kind of pick that we're going to look back on and say, whoa, to get this guy in the second round, that's crazy value. But it has to work out, and I think that all comes down to not is this kid good enough, but is he going to put in the work to be good enough? You know, I, I think I think he will put in the work. I, I think his work ethic, by some articles you see online, was unfairly questioned. I just think when you see a, size, a guy that, that size, 6'6", 3'10", you kind of expect guys with talent and that kind of size to dominate more in college. You know, he wasn't surrounded by the greatest defense in the world. The one thing I love about this pick, and I can say it about all three picks this year, and I can say it about the past couple drafts with the new Falcons front office, and they're not new anymore. I mean, let's face it. These guys in the Falcons front office are making what you can now call Falcons type of picks. The only difference with the 2014 class is they drafted guys with a little more emotion. You know, they're good guys off the field, but they have a little more emotion to them. You know, the last couple of years, they drafted more quiet kind of guys. These three guys are intense, nasty football players. If you go look at their highlights, and this is something the Falcons needed. And Hegman is a Falcons type of pick. Southward, a Falcons type of pick. I think Hegman is going to be a big factor. It may not be until, you know, November 1st. But Hegman has a big opportunity to be a part of a big-time defensive line rotation, the newly built defensive line, and Dimitriov has done a great job at that in the offseason. And, boy, let me tell you, these guys have done what I believe to be a great job getting Hegman, a great job getting southward, even though, you know, it's a little bit of a reach there. But Dimitriov and company have done a, a fantastic job Hagman is in the right place. He's hopefully in the right system. Now we can move on to improving the team some more and getting some more needs. And even though these weren't the most picks on the board, they're Falcons type of picks, and I keep going back to it. And the biggest Falcon type of pick so far was the sixth pick of the draft. The bloodlines, we know all about them. Jake Matthews, offensive tackle, Texas A&M, going to be Matt Ryan's new best friend. I personally love the the pick, Dave. What do you think about Jake Matthews at the sixth pick? You know, I think all along he was the one that made the most sense at number six. And, you know, the reason for that is obvious. 
the, the Falcons had some of the worst offensive line play in the NFL last year. And the, the couple of years before that, they had their shaky moments, um, sometimes a lot of shaky moments. And so you look at a tackle like Jake Matthews, who's somebody who, you know, he's a superb technician. Um, he's fundamentally sound in every way. He's got, you know, fine size, strength for the position. And, you know, this is a guy who, if everything works out well, is probably a starter on your blind side for a decade. And that's phenomenal. I mean, that, that's great value in any draft at the number six pick. And I know the Falcons, you know, were shopping for that pass rusher. They really wanted one. Um, but, you know, if you're going to get a consolation prize, you really can't do much better than Matthews. So I think that they've set themselves up nicely this offseason, um, you know, assuming that Sam Baker is healthy. You have Sam Baker at left tackle where he's at least adequate. You have Justin Blaylock at left guard where he's good. Center's a little unsettled, but you got a couple of competitors. And then the right side of the line is, is John Asimov, who is a huge upgrade over what they had, and Jake Matthews, a right tackle, who is a tremendous upgrade over what they had. So suddenly, you know, one of the things that was just such a huge liability for the Falcons in 2013 could actually be a strength in 2014. So I, I think that really, you know, you may not love the pick, and, and nobody necessarily loves, you know, tackle or guard or center, as a pick, but, you know, when that, those guys work out, you just plug them in and you forget about them for five, ten years, and that's a fantastic thing. So I love the Matthews pick. I, I disagree with one thing. I, I think by the time we get to week one, I do think, even though he's a rookie, that Matthews is going to be the left tackle and Baker is going to be the right tackle. Baker has struggled, struggled so much, not only to stay healthy, but to stay in front of these big-time pass rushers that Matt Ryan's not going to want Baker on his blind side. And last year, Matt Ryan took too many blindside shots. Some of it had to do with Baker being hurt. Some of it had to do with the inability of Baker to, to block. I think Matthews is going to step in day one, be the left tackle, and for all our sakes, be there for the next 10 years next to Matt Ryan and, you know, get some playoff wins under our belt. Yeah, I don't think anybody's going to mind that if that's the outcome. Um, you know, I think in an honest competition – Matthews will have a real shot to be the left tackle uh, as soon as this year. So I really do hope he gets that shot. Um, but one way or the other, I mean, it's clear that, you know, 2015 and beyond, they didn't draft the guy number six overall to be a right tackle. Well, we know you got to get back to the site. The Falcons have seven more picks left, uh, two in round four, five, six, and three in round seven. Um, they've been drafting need thus far. They still could use a tight end and use a linebacker. I'm sure they'll fill those spots. Is there anybody else that's out there right now that you kind of hope falls in the Falcons' lap? I mean, there's there's definitely a handful of players out there. Um, you know, I've got my eyes on tight end a little bit later on, probably fifth or sixth round. Uh, Joe Don Duncan is a guy I really like. I think he's got phenomenal hands, even if he's not a great athlete, and I think that's the kind of guy you want to pair uh, with Toilolo, who is sort of an all-arounder. We don't know exactly what he's going to be yet. And Bear Pasco, who's somebody who's just there to block. So I think that gives them a nice option. And I do think that, you know, if they can get their hands on a decent edge rusher to add to the rotation, they've got to try to do that, because this is something that clearly was a priority coming in. 
they haven't been able to get it done. I think they they might have been after. I know they were after Clowney and Mac. They didn't get that done. I know they were after D Ford. They couldn't get that done. I suspect they might have been after Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, the Cowboys jumped up in front of him and took him. So you know they just didn't really get their guy, which is why they've gone in other directions. And, and while I like the directions they've gone in, you know you're looking back and you're looking for that edge rusher. And at this point, you know it's not a hugely strong class uh, left, but I do expect them to kind of look out and see if they can find a value maybe as soon as next round. And one guy I would watch out for, and this is the kind of move the Falcons make, if they can get him the fall, maybe later in the fourth, look out for a guy like Kevin Norwood. I know receiver isn't as much of a need, but Kevin Norwood has the chance to trend big time in the NFL. He's somebody that's overlooked the Alabama wideout. Kevin Norwood is something is somebody that's been talked up quite a bit the last 24 hours. And I would look for somebody like that to fall in the Falcons' lap, and it wouldn't surprise me in the least if they went and got a receiver like that. Um, before I let you go, what ha- I know it's been a crazy 27 hours. There's been a lot of moves. To me, the craziest part of the draft overall is that the Raiders, Cowboys, and Jaguars, and Browns are making solid football decisions. But other than that, what is the biggest surprise? And leave Manziel out of it because I think that's a given for a lot of people. What's your biggest surprise so far in the last 27 hours or so? I think it was Bortles. Um, I I think there's no way around that. Um, You know, I could try to be a little more obscure and go a little later, but the Jaguars did such a good job of disguising their intent there. Nobody thought they were going to Blake Bortles. at number three, and it, it's still a surprising pick because I don't look at him as an immediate starter, and I think it's it's sort of an interesting direction for the Jaguars to go, and it might be a smart one too, because teams just don't sit quarterbacks for a year or two anymore and let them develop, and so that's really to me what the Jaguars are looking to do here is they're looking to, you know, have one more year where they kind of roll in the dice with a subpar quarterback and you know, putting the pieces together. And they're hoping that Bortles is going to step in once he's had his opportunity to learn and really be a successful quarterback. So I think it was a really surprising pick. It was a little bit of a gamble. But I kind of liked it for him. I really did. And don't forget, not only did they draft Bortles, they went and got him some weapons, which is something that that teams like Jacksonville have not done in the past. They get their quarterback, but they don't give him anything to throw to. They drafted Marquise Lee and Allen Robertson directly after him. They got Bortles, and they got him some weapons. It's going to be interesting to see. And, and you know, Jacksonville's part of that Falcon tree, that Dimitrioff tree. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in Jacksonville. But you see it with the Rams, and you see it with Jacksonville, and you see it with the Falcons. They're all making the same type of picks, building their teams as they need to build them. And – that bodes well for the Falcon fans moving forward. But, Dave, I know you got to go. I know your voice is shot. I know you're keeping an eye on everything, updating the site. Uh, tell them where to find you. Tell them where to find you on the web, Twitter, all that. And, uh, once again, appreciate you coming on. But go ahead and plug your stuff. Yeah, thanks. Um, you can find us online at www.thefalcoholic.com and on Twitter at thefalcoholic. 
And, guys, you don't have to be Falcon fans to follow them and check out the site. You know, it's part of the SB Nation family of websites. Go check it out. He's got all the latest and greatest in Falcons news. Dave, once again, thank you very much for coming on, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Take care. Dave Choate, FalconHawks.com, here on Status Radio, NFL Draft Special 2014. Appreciate him coming on. Voice was a little shot tonight, so I really, really do appreciate him giving me a few minutes to break down the Falcons' picks. Falcon fans, if you're out there, I want to hear from you. 347-850-8572. 347-850-8572 to call into the show. Uh, update the last couple picks. The Jets just picked in round three. I'm pulling that up right now. As again, as much as I love technology, tonight without question is a night where my technology can really go to hell. Just for the record. Everything I touch just goes to crap. But the Jets just drafted 80th overall pick, Dexter McDougal, out of Maryland. He's a corner. So more defense for Rex Ryan. And you want to look at the Jets picks real quick since we're we're looking at them. They drafted corner. They drafted free safety with their first pick, Calvin Pryor. Uh, Pryor is a very... Interesting pick. He has a chance to to sit behind Ed Reed and learn how to play NFL and learn how to prepare in the NFL for one of the best of all time. And he's going to have a chance to get on the field right away and learn from some of the best defensive minds in the world. So Calvin Pryor potentially coming into a good situation. And I love their second-round pick, 49th overall, Jason Morrow, 6'5", tight end from Texas Tech. He is the perfect weapon up the same for either Geno Smith or Michael Vick. Jason Morrow, and a lot of people on Twitter, and once again, it's twitter.com slash John underscore Corey if you want to give me a follow. A lot of Jet fans on Twitter wondering where the weapons are. And I put a tweet out a little while ago, and I'm waiting for Jet fans to respond, and they're not responding. But the fact is this, for those that say that the Jets need weapons, riddle me this. Chris Johnson, Bilal Powell, Eric Decker, Jacoby Ford, Stephen Hill if he's healthy, Jeremy Curley, and now Amaro, and potentially bringing back Kellen Winslow and Jake Cumberland. The New York Jets have some offensive weapons, guys. I mean, for those out there, that think the Jets don't have weapons, that's a little silly in my book. A little silly to say the least. If you look at all that, the New York Jets have a chance to score some points this year. They really do. And I think it's crazy if Jet fans think that they're not going to score points with that offense. Now, listen, are they going to need to stay healthy? Yeah. 
I mean, when you talk about a Chris Johnson who's been banged up here and there, when you talk about a Stephen Hill, the big draft pick from a couple of years ago from Georgia Tech, you know, mini Calvin Johnson, mini Megatron, has not shown it in the National Football League. Well, let me tell you, if Stephen Hill can stay healthy, if Jeremy Curley can have the type of season he had last year, if Eric Decker comes in and be the, and, and to be the guy that he's been, and you can put Jacoby Ford in that four spot, along with Amaro's pass catching, let me tell you guys, the New York Jets have a chance to give the defense some help. It's just that simple. You're a New York Jets fan. Kareem Martin, defensive end from North Carolina, just drafted uh, to the Arizona Cardinals. The Eagles make a trade. They move down from number 83. They acquire picks 101 and 141 from the Texans. So the Texans move up to 83. And the Texans, with that 83rd pick, drafted Lewis Nix, nose tackle from Notre Dame. So a solid football pick from the Texans. 30 minutes in already. Don't adjust your headsets. This is Status Radio back for one night. Special edition NFL Draft 2014. I'm John Corey. I'm back. Status Radio, not back for good. Back as a a special like this. Uh, Catch some of my other shows. The 209 Podcast, a local show, covers uh, the area I'm at, Delaware Valley, Port Jervis. 209 Podcast will be back coming very, very soon. Give a little hint about that toward the end of the show. And you can catch me on the MTR Morning Throwdown Mondays and Thursdays at 10 a.m. on mtrradio.com. But if you can't listen to the entire show live, you can go to iTunes, search Corey Digital. It'll be on there. Or you can get the podcast app from Apple, and you can search Corey Digital. Subscribe to Corey Digital, and you can get tonight's show on there and take it wherever you may be. 10.31 on the East Coast. We are breathing through round number three of the NFL draft. Round four through seven will be tomorrow starting at noon down to about the last 16 picks of the night in what has been a crazy 27 hours. It started off, as I mentioned before Dave hopped on, Blake Bortles started to move everything in a certain direction. And then from there, it got even more crazy. The Cleveland Browns last night manipulated the draft in such a way, and I said it on MTR Radio's coverage of of round one, which you can get right now at mtrradio.com, search NFL Draft 2014. The Cleveland Browns acted like a legitimate organization. And what I mean by that is they manipulated the draft in such a way they were able to get need and then they were able to get lucky. And 
you know what, maybe it wasn't getting lucky. Maybe they made their own luck. But the reality of the situation is this. The Browns went out. They traded down. They got an extra first-round pick. They got a first and a fourth next year. They dropped down to eight. They got Justin Gilbert with their first pick, which surprised a lot of people. You know, they thought that the Browns manipulated the draft, and I thought this as well, in such a way that they got the extra picks, and then they were going to trade down and draft Manziel, especially after Bortles was taken by Jacksonville. But no, they drafted Justin Gilbert 8. Surprised a lot of people. It really thought a lot of people in Cleveland. But then the manipulation continued later in round one in a spot where I thought for sure that Chip Kelly was going to pull the trigger and get his prototypical quarterback for his offense. The Eagles trade down. They make a trade with Cleveland. They move down a few spots. Cleveland jumps back up to pick number 22, a position where two other times since they had the rebirth of the Cleveland Browns that they've drafted quarterbacks and have been awfully unsuccessful. But with the 22nd pick around one, Cleveland got their guy. They got Johnny Manziel. And if I would have told you at 745 last night that the Browns were going to leave round one with an extra first-round pick in 2015, they were going to get Johnny Manziel, and they were going to get Justin Gilbert in the first round. And if I didn't tell you to order, and if I would have said that, Brown fans and NFL analysts alike would have been screaming the praise of the Browns organization. It just went a tiny bit different than everybody thought. But the reality is this. Mandel is a Brown. Gilbert, you get to put him across from Joe Hayden, one of the most elite special corners in the game when he can stay on the field. You have Mandel, who, as of last night, had Josh Gordon and Jordan Cameron to throw to, News has come out today that Josh Gordon may be suspended for the 2014 season, which throws a complete monkey wrench into everything the Browns are trying to do. But the fact is, the Browns did what they had to do. Now, they need to work on this Gordon situation. They need to get Manziel some more weapons. You know, they drafted Need, the 35th pick of the draft. They drafted Joel Batonio offensive tackle from Nevada, and now the Browns have a very above-average offensive line. They have Ben Tate to run the ball. They have Jordan Cameron to go up the seam, and if they can keep Josh Gordon on the field for this year, well, let me tell you something. You add another weapon or two to that offense, if Johnny Football, anything that he, is everything that he thinks he is, the Cleveland Browns may be back. And not only that, but the Cleveland Browns have set themselves up for the future. Two first-round picks next year to go with everything they've done so far this year. I give the Browns an A++ so far. Um, Chip Kelly just picked the Oregon receiver. 
pick Josh Huff. So Chip brings one of his guys in, Josh Huff, University of Oregon, with the 86th pick, 22nd pick around number three, Chiefs on the clock as we speak. Other teams that I loved what they did last night, the Cowboys. Yes, the Dallas Cowboys, with all the speculation of 16, Jerry Jones right there with a chance to bring Johnny football, to keep him in Texas, to bring him into the Jerry world, to get the merchandise going. And then Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys did the unthinkable. They made a smart football decision. Drafted the, drafted the lineman. The name escapes me right now, but the Cowboys made a smart football decision. The other team that I like what they did, you know, keep in mind this team does not have Justin Blackman. They may not have him for this entire season. They do still have Mercedes Lewis. The Jacksonville Jaguars, Gus Bradley and crew, they draft the quarterback that they personally like the best third, and then they got him some weapons. They got him Robinson and Marquise Lee, big, big wide receiver targets. Gus Bradley is going to sit down there in Jacksonville, and he's going to have a chance to turn that organization around and let's face it, Jacksonville's another team with a pretty solid offensive line. Don't be surprised if the Jaguars can suddenly jump up to the 7-8 win mark this year. Another team that I love what they did, and, and uh, you notice I'm naming teams that don't normally do the right thing, the Oakland, yep, that's right, the Oakland Raiders. The Oakland Raiders, they draft Khalil Mack, the stud outside linebacker from Buffalo, fifth overall, a a guy that the Falcon fans desperately wanted. Then, in round two, they had Derek Carr fall into their lap. Derek Carr can now sit behind Matt Schaub for a year or maybe training camp. And Derek Carr can come along slowly. He's a big, big arm, big tall guy. Gets to stay in the in the Northern California region. Goes to the Raiders at pick thirty six, and then they draft the lineman. You need to protect your quarterback. Derek Carr knows well enough from his David Carr. You need offensive line. Gabe Jackson, offensive guard from Mississippi State, 6'3", 336, graded very well. And all the pre-draft stuff, the Oakland Raiders. That's right, folks, the Oakland Raiders. With some solid, solid drafting, and then you have the team that may be the winner. After everything I've just said, the team that may be the winner thus far as we get to the end of round three, the St. Louis Rams. And the St. Louis Rams have come out and just made solid football decisions. Les Snead, another one off the Falcon tree 
Dimitrioff and company. Oh, ho-hum. The Rams draft Greg Robinson, the stud offensive tackle from Auburn, with the second pick. They come right back. They draft Aaron Donald, the big-time defensive tackle out of Pitt. Then they come back in round two, LaMarcus Joyner, who could be a solid nickelback in the pros, sort of in that Cortland Finnegan mold, which is something that Jeff Fisher loves to death. And then two pick, and then in round three, pick 75, Trey Mason, prolific running back out of Auburn. When he touches the ball, he makes things happen. He will be a nice addition to that offense in St. Louis. The St. Louis Rams, I love what they've done, and they still have seven picks to go, two in round six, four in round seven. They have a fourth-round pick coming tomorrow. The St. Louis Rams, they have some needs to address, but the Rams have done a fantastic job. You know, we knew going in that some teams had a chance to get better quick in this draft with all the depth that there is in this draft. And teams have taken advantage of that. And boy, oh boy, you've got to love it. And just as we get done talking about the Browns, we have some more bad news for the Cleveland Browns. So every time it appears the Browns are going to take two steps forward, here's the next problem. Nate Burleson brought in to help Josh Gordon, brought in to help the offense in Cleveland get off the ground this year. Fractured arm should be back for camp. But Nate Burleson has fractured his arm, this from Chris Mortensen and Adam Schefter from ESPN. As much as you like what the Browns have done in the draft, and as much as you've hated their luck since Mansell's fallen to them, my goodness. 347 if you want to call into the show. Again, talking all things NFL, we'll get to some Mets stuff, we'll get to some Rangers stuff as time goes on. A lot to talk about in the world of sports. For those wondering what's happening in the Rangers-Penguins game, Rangers win 5-1. They beat down the Penguins in Pittsburgh. They'll come back to the Garden Sunday night for game number six in the Eastern Conference semis. So at least the Rangers keep it moving. And the Mets currently are down 2-1. And both teams in that particular game have left pretty much the entire states of New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania out on the bases. And if that's not enough for one night, between the draft, the NBA playoffs, where you have a terrible game going on right now between Indiana and Washington, you Darvish, Texas pitcher, no hitter through seven, coming back on the mound for the eighth as we speak, I actually have that on right now. So a lot, a lot 
of stuff happening in the world of sports. 1045 here on the East Coast. Once again, number to call into the show, 347-850-8572. Dave Choate was on earlier. Uh, Went over to Fast and Draft. You can listen to that interview, blogtalkradio.com slash Digital. Go back to that interview with him. Uh, the game in Texas is Rangers 8, Red Sox 0. So Darvish, 99 pitches. He's about to throw his 100th pitch as we bounce around the world of sports here. Pitch number 100 is a ball inside. 8 nothing Rangers over the Red Sox. In the 8th. And the question is, will Darvish stay in to complete the no-hitter if he has the ability to? So we'll keep it locked there, but back to the draft. It's just been a a tremendous thing. The San Francisco 49ers bringing in Stevie Johnson for a fourth-round pick and then getting that fourth-round pick back by manipulating the draft themselves shows what a great job that front office does. And you add Stevie Johnson, the Bolden, and Crabtree, among other weapons in that offense. And then the Niners went out and got one of the better running back prospects in the draft, the San Francisco 49ers. Looking to do some big things. Carlos Hyde from Ohio State drafted in the second round by the Niners. A lot of teams have had some good drafts as Darvish just walks the leadoff man in the eighth, he's at 103 pitches. I'm not sure how much longer you could stick with Darvish. It is early in the season still, and if we've learned anything, and it was a Friday night a couple of years back where Johan Santana threw his no-hitter, but here we go, top eight, 104. Fourth pitch for Darvish is a ball high and outside, so he may be losing it. In the Mets game, David Wright, RBI double, is tied the game against the Phillies at two. So we have it's wild and crazy, and it is nuts right now in the world of sports. Again, Rangers win. Mets just tied the game. Darvish with a no-no in the eighth. A little something called the NBA playoffs. It is a wonderful time to be on the air. Let me get to a caller. I have a caller on the line. 305 area code. Caller, who, what's your name? Where are you from? Uh, Harry in Miami. Harry, what's going on? How you doing? Uh, I was wondering how you feel about Jarvis Landry to the Dolphins. You know, the Dolphins were in an interesting spot. The Dolphins have some needs. They have some needs on the offensive line. They have some needs at receiver. Landry's not your typical LSU wideout. You know, usually you get these LSU guys that are 6'2", 6'3", total physical specimens. Landry's 5'11", 205. You know, he's an interesting type of pickup for Tannehill. 
but I do like what, the little bit I've seen from him. And I'm not much of an LSU guy, but you like his his overall size, 205, solid frame. His got great 40 hands. Time, his 40 times a little suspect. I would be concerned about the 477. You know, if you're going to get a guy 5'11", you, you hope he's down in that 4'4", four, 4'5", four, four, range. The 477 is interesting. Can he That's turn cool. into a poor man's Victor Cruz type? Or even in Dolphins Nation, you know, can he be a, a, a Devon Best type? You know, what's your thoughts on the pick? Uh, I like it. He's got great hands. Okay, great hands. Um, you know, Devon Best at his best, was a wonderful third-down target for the Dolphins. And I think if you can have the biggest upside potential for Landry, it would be Victor Cruz. And I think that the downside would be a best. If he's in between that range at all, it ends up being a good pick and a good value for the Dolphins. Um, what do you think of the Dolphins' draft so far? Super Bowl 2014. Uh, <laughs> I think we can calm down with that talk a little bit. I think we got a long way to go. I guess you're one of them Dolphin fans that think Tannehill's the guy, huh? Don't worry about it. We got it under control. I call got uh, it under control. Talk, tell him who to sign. Don't worry about it. All right. Hey, well, you know about the Silver Fox. The what? The Silver Fox. The Silver Fox, huh? Silver what about Fox. it? He's the man. <laughs> well, like anything else that hurt your interest in the draft this week? What well, some of your other surprises at the draft tonight or last night? Caller's gone. Appreciate Dolphin fan chime in. 2014 Super Bowl, huh? I think there's one guy out there that if he's listening, he's probably going, yeah, I love that guy. And let me tell you, you're both nuts. Dolphins 2014 Super Bowl. Let me say this, 10:51. The Miami Dolphins are only going to the Super Bowl if the Dolphins host the Super Bowl. That's the only way their players are getting into the building on Super Bowl Sunday. Because the Dolphins are just not there yet. And after this weekend, the Dolphins may be the fourth best team in AFC East. And I don't think that's a knock on the Dolphins. I actually think that that's an attaboy for the Jets and the Bills. You know, for the Bills to bring in Sammy Watkins, to go with E.J. Manuel, to go with C.J. Spiller and Fred Jackson, I think that the, the Bills have made some solid moves to get the team younger, to get the team in more of a Doug Marone-type mold, I think you've seen the Jets be very patient, uncharacteristically patient, almost to the fans' frustration level making them real high. I think if you look at the Dolphins right now, and it's no fault of their own, I think the Dolphins have made some solid football moves but you have to really sell me on how the Dolphins are not the fourth-best team in the AFC East. Oh, wait a minute. Is this my Dolphin fan back? Hello? Who's on the line? 
Sam? What's up? From Miami. I, I want to know what your guys' thoughts on Billy Hunter is. Billy Turner, whatever his name is. That crappy lineman from North Dakota State. I just got the Mike Francesca, somebody. How about that? You, you know you've made it when you dump a call like the legend Mike Francesa. Now, let me say this. Darvish threw eight. No hitter against the Red Sox. We will keep it locked there. Uh, Cardinals at pick 91 have drafted, drafted John Brown, a wide receiver, from Pittsburgh State. Uh, a speed guy. Dolphin fan is trying to uh, call back in, so we'll we'll take care of that situation. Another interesting pick, Patriots drafting the quarterback, and they are apparently not going to trade Mallet. So I don't know what Bill Belichick has up his sleeve, but the Patriots, you know, the Patriots are still the class of AFC East. But they have some hard-charging teams coming behind them. So here's what we have right now. We have the Mets-Phillies tied at two. Top nine, Farnsworth in for the Mets in the ninth. So nothing could go wrong there, right? The New York Rangers have won game five in Pittsburgh. They get it back to the Garden Sunday night. Rangers win tonight. 5-1, so the Rangers keep everything moving. We have all the NFL news of the day. Josh Gordon potentially suspended for the 2014 season, popped for a a positive marijuana test. Browns knew about the positive test two weeks ago, but they did not know about the potential suspension of the season until an ESPN outside the lines piece this afternoon and it apparently knocked the Browns' front office completely off guard, completely caught up by surprise. But the Browns have apparently stuck with their game plan. They have not drafted a receiver as of yet. So we'll see what direction the Browns go in tomorrow. Don't be surprised if they change their plan a little bit and start bringing some receivers in. In the span of eight hours, they've learned Josh Gordon may get suspended, at the very least indefinitely, and Nate Burleson, a guy they brought in to compliment Gordon, breaks his arm again. Same things out of Cleveland, who gets Johnny Manziel to come to Cleveland, and I'm sure in five years he'll take his talents to South Beach and talk to my buddy Nick and talk to my other buddy down at the 305, and they can make it happen. Appreciate the call, fellas. Um... Panthers select Trey Turner as they beef up the the line some more. Guard from LSU. Three oh five, well represented on tonight's show. How about that? A show that I catered to Falcon fans more than anybody. We got seven Miami calls on the line right now, and I'm not touching any one of them. 
Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Just saying. So we have Darvish with a no-no going into the ninth. We had Mets-Phillies, 2-2, top nine. Draft on right now. NBA playoffs, nobody cares about. NHL playoffs, I mentioned the Rangers win. Back to the draft we go. As we wind down round number three, the draft picks back up tomorrow at noon. Tomorrow at noon, rounds four through seven. Wrap up the draft, the 209 podcast, as we come up on 11 p.m. in the east. The 209 podcast will be back Sunday morning. That Sunday morning, it'll be live at 8.30 in the morning. It'll be available. Excuse me. Available afterward on, on blogtalkradio.com slash Corey Digital, the 209 podcast. We'll grade the locals NFL draft. We'll go through some of the stories that come out in the next 24 hours or so. We'll talk postseason play for Port Jervis and Delaware Valley and a whole lot more. And, oh, my. So I'm just catching up on the Rangers-Red Sox game. Darvish has a no-hitter. And they made an official score and made a call in the seventh. There's no way that's not a hit. There is no way that that should not be scored a hit. And the problem I have, is the precedent that's been set in in the majors. That is absolutely a hit. Holy crap. The ball just dropped in between them. That's always been scored a hit. How in the blue hell? And I see some... Wow. <laughs> As I try to ruffle some feathers and the only Texas Ranger fan I know. As I ruffle some feathers here on Facebook, don't mind me. Back to the show. 347-850-8572. 347-850-8572. Lines are open if you want to call into the show, talk about anything, because everything is in play. As we look for an update on Mitch Phil's.
and the Cleveland Browns have just traded up. Cleveland Browns traded up, and the Browns traded up for a running back, not a wide receiver. The Browns traded up for Terrence West. Farnsworth gets out of the ninth, 2-2, Mets Phillies. We go bottom nine in flushing. The Cleveland Browns, every time you expect them to take a receiver, they do something else. Terrence West, running back from Townsend, ran a 4-5-40, a little undersized, but he is thick. He's 5'9", 225. He's got solid hands. He's good to run between the tackles. He's actually a very good compliment. If you go based on what we see in the scouting report, he's a wonderful compliment to Ben Tate. Browns don't get a receiver. The Browns get a running back. Now, there's no question in my mind that tomorrow the Browns go nuts in the wide receiver position. Bottom eight in Texas, the Rangers are batting. And for all you Mets fans listening that may be looking for updates on the Mets-Philly game, Jose Valverde warming up in the Mets bullpen. So if they go to the 10th, look for it to be over in the 10th. Valverde warming up in the Mets pen. kind of hard to mess with people on Facebook when they go away, but I kind of expected that. My alleged competition in the local podcast world, we'll get to that on Sunday. For those of you out there that love my rants and love my quote-unquote State of the Union addresses, boy, do I have something for you on Sunday morning. I will address the quote-unquote competition podcast that was developed after this gentleman was on the initial 209 podcast, I will bring up, I'll even give a plug to that said podcast on Sunday morning because, in my opinion, people should like it while they can still find it. And I'll leave it at that for now. But people should like it while they still can find it. Hugh Darvish warming up for the ninth in Texas. So we'll keep it locked here. Ninth inning in Texas. 
Darvish, no hitter. He's at about 113 pitches against the Boston Red Sox. It'll be a tremendous feat if he comes through with this no-no. But the fact is, this should not be a no-hitter at this point. This should not be a no-hitter. Broncos at 95 get good, good value. Michael Schofield, offensive tackle from Michigan, he can trend inside as well. As we start the top of the ninth, Darvish pitch one fourteen, and Pedroia fouls it off. How far will they let Darvish go? Obviously, the first hit he gives up, he'll be coming out of the game. You don't want to push him too much, even though the, the Japanese pitchers are really built to keep throwing and throw a lot. as Pedroia takes the ball in the dirt, one-and-one. As we get ready, the round, the wind down, round number three in the draft. I'll give you the last few picks taken. I mentioned Schofield by, by Denver. The Browns traded up to get Terrence West running back from Townsend. Brandon Linder, a solid prospect from the U, drafted to Jacksonville. Jacksonville getting out of the skill position mold, now trying to help protect young Blake Bortles. Uh, Trey Turner, guard from LSU, goes to the Panthers. Brown to the Cardinals. Dante Moncrief, tall wide receiver out of Mississippi, Decent prospect, fit right into that Colt system, and he can really redshirt and take his time. Solid pick by the Colts. We have five picks remaining in round number three, and then we'll call the night with the draft. Vikings, and then we begin the compensatory selections. Steelers, Packers, Ravens, and Niners will round out round Number three, Darvish, Pedroia, the ground out, the, the Adrian Beltray who threw the ball offline with a nice play at first. They get Pedroia out, one out in the ninth, as they show the replay again of the ball that fell in the right field. Now, any other time scored a hit, and that will be a very questionable, very questionable call if Darvish pulls this out. Darvish about to throw pitch number 120. He's 8-3rd and third in to the no-no. Pitch number 120 coming up. And a very defensive swing. Darvish ahead 0-2. He will throw pitch 121 in one second as he's four strikes away from a no-hitter down in Arlington, Texas. The Vikings just made their pick. Jarek McKinnon, running back, Georgia Southern, a, a small type of back. Not quite sure why Minnesota felt the need to go back in that spot, but they did go running back. Jarek McKinnon from Georgia Southern 
And now we're down to four picks remaining. Uh, a little quick report on McKinnon. Four four one forty. Four four one forty. So he's more in the Darren Sproles type of mold. So keep an eye on him with the new look Minnesota offense. In flushing, we go to the tenth. Which means we go to Valverde. We go to the tenth, we go to Valverde. Two two. Neither team can score. Neither team can get out of their own way. They've left about 57 people on base between the two of them. But it's 2-2 going to the 10th in Queens. We'll keep you locked there in a minute. Darvish against David Ortiz. Ortiz out to try to break up the no-no. Darvish about to make pitch number 124. And the first pitch to Ortiz was borderline at two, same spot, ball one. One and one to David Ortiz. Crowd can't believe it, but the fact is, pitch one should have been a ball. So high drama in Texas on a night that was led with the NFL draft might end with a no-hitter in MLB, two and one to Ortiz, as Darvish will go for pitch number 126. How much longer can you leave him out there? Number to call in, 347-850-8572. Ortiz, ground ball into the shift, and it's a base hit in the right field. Eight and two-thirds innings of no-hit baseball, and Big Poppy makes sure that there's no no-hitter on this night in Arlington, Texas. And quite frankly, justice has been served. As we go to the phones and we go to the 305, who's this? Uh, Big Poppy. 305 back in the building, ladies and gentlemen. 305, you know, if you're from Miami, now let let me just say this. If you're from Miami, and you have nothing better to do but to call my crappy radio show, then you should move out of Miami, to say the least. To sit at home on a Friday night in Miami and call this up, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. Um, so Darvish now out of the game. Big Poppy blows up the no-hitter. Cute little tweet by the Mets. No soup for you, spell Y-U, in honor of Darvish's no-no. So the Rangers are going to win that game. The Rangers having a big night on the ice, on the diamond. Valverde in for the pitch for the Mets in the 10th. As we get ready to wrap up coverage of the uh, rounds two and three in the NFL draft, Steelers draft, Dree Archer, running back from Kent State, very undersized guy, 5'8", 173. Richard Rodgers, big tight end out of Cal, goes to Green Bay. Ravens, Crockett Gilmore, 
a big tight end from Colorado State as we see a run of tight ends. The 49ers will make the last pick of the evening. What's your biggest surprise of, of the draft? What's your biggest surprise of these last two nights? What what team has had the best draft? And no, it's not the Dolphins. As we wait for the last pick to come in, we'll wrap it up after that. We'll give you a little rundown uh what's coming up the rest of the weekend. Don't forget, MTR Radio's coverage of the 2014 NFL Draft round number one is on-site and online right now. MTRRadio.com. Search for the 2014 NFL Draft special. The three-and-a-half-hour show from last night, Mike Sanfilippo, Sean Bretherick, and myself. Three-and-a-half hours of pretty much laughing at Johnny Manziel in the green room. Uh, we gave you some good insight. That's online on mtrradio.com. This show will be online, blogtalkradio.com, Corey Digital. You can subscribe to Corey Digital on the iTunes podcast app or Corey Digital on iTunes and get all the shows from me. I'll be back Sunday morning for the latest edition of the 209 podcast where I will cut a promo on my alleged competition in the tri-state area. The last pick is in. It is Brandon Thomas, offensive tackle out of Clemson. 49ers make a solid value pick to end round number three. NFL draft is done for this night. A lot of big-time moves made from some small-time teams. How it translates into the 2014 season, nobody knows, but this is what draft weekend is all about. Extremely happy for the Falcons and the moves they've made. Happy for teams like the Raiders. Happy for teams like the Browns, even though they can't keep their wide receivers on the field or near a field. Happy that Jacksonville is trying to change the culture. The Raiders making some solid picks. The Cowboys resisting the urge to go after Johnny football. There are a lot of positive things. When you talk about the 2014 draft so far, and guess what? We're not even halfway home. Four more rounds to go tomorrow. Recap it all on Sunday morning. Back at the helm of Status Radio. Status Radio is a Corey Digital production out of the Corey Digital Studios up here in Northeast PA. Don't forget, Sunday morning, Corey Digital presents the 209 Podcast. And boy, do I have a treat for you. And hopefully by then I have my voice back. And for those of you out there in the 305, enjoy your night, fellas. Enjoy your night. That's all from me. Again, Darvish loses the no-no, two outs in the ninth. 
New York Rangers move on to game six on Sunday. Valverde gets through the 10th. That might be the biggest surprise of the night. A lot to like in the world of sports on this busy Friday night. But for all of you that listen, for all of you that tuned in, to Dave Choate, Falcoholic.com is the website, The Falcoholic on Twitter. Check all his stuff out. You can follow me on Twitter at John underscore Corey. But until next time, this has been Status Radio. I am John Corey, and I'll talk to you down the line.